Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. We will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 8 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. Uh, this is actually um, the second podcast we've recorded for this, for this particular episode because we, we we had a technical disaster. Uh, Justin, I blame you entirely for this. <laughs> Sorry. So, Justin, are you making static noises yourself now? Who's making <laughs> No, I, I have no idea where that's coming. You're going to give no Ben a heart happening. attack, Justin. Jesus. No, please, no, please stop. Please stop. Please stop. But I just want to let everybody know that the podcast that we recorded before this was amazing. It was the yeah. best podcast we've ever done, but basically yes, Justin ruined it by mm. uh, with his microphone, um, <laughs> with static uh, interfering with our... It was amazing, brilliant dialogue, um, just the funniest, wittiest we've ever been. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. We, we did about eight minutes and it completely fell apart. So anyway, we fixed our technical issues and we're here. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think that the, it's unsalvageable, the last one. So yeah. um, anyway, first of all, guys, how are you this morning? Everything good? Doing great. Thanks, man. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, so brand new feature for the Roundtable podcast is our new segment that we call Both Sides Are Just The Same. <laughs> and this is based on the idea that both sides are clearly not the same at all. Yeah, and, and the alternate uh, name for the show is uh, Meet the Press. Yeah. <laughs> with chuck fucking todd chuck mm-hmm. fucking todd meet the press and the new anti-woke brigade uh now dominating substack <laughs> matt taibbi andrew sullivan barry weiss all of these um the these new uh uh glenn greenwald who have a vested interest in promoting this insane idea that both sides are just the same so what we're going to do we're just going to bring up some examples of republicans doing batshit crazy things uh to prove definitively that both sides are not just the same. Um, so uh, my pick this week is our good friend, uh, Ron DeSantis. Um, so Ron DeSantis this week uh, has unveiled a plan on Tuesday for his state to begin addressing the effects of rising global temperatures. So it's called the Always Ready Florida, the three-year plan that would spend $270 million on, on roughly 76 projects statewide to help deal with problems like coastal flooding, um, that I'm being shown to be made worse by global temperatures. So, DeSantis proposes pr- has proposed doing this stuff without doing any any quote unquote left wing stuff. Okay, so he said what what I found Jesus. is when people start start talking about things like global warming, they typically use that as a pretext to do a bunch of left wing things that they would mm. want to do anyways. And so we're not doing any left wing stuff, right? So. Um, his, his plan is to, is to, uh, address the prospect of stronger hurricanes, um, made by warmer oceans. Uh, so they'll be building more stormwater pumps, um, and, uh, funds will be made available for the state to purchase flood prone properties, 
um, hardening Florida's coastal defences from rising sea levels. Uh, so this is all mitigation, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. By left-wing stuff, what Ron DeSantis means is he means doing things that that, that would actually prevent climate change, mm -hmm. right? So he, you quite, and this is what, i.e., science, i.e., reality, i.e., you know what what would actually have an effect. You know, you know, yeah, maybe yeah. Um, reducing carbon. You know, reducing Florida's carbon footprint, uh, things like that, right? But no, you can't do any left wing stuff because Republicans have turned climate change and science into a political issue. Yep. Right. This has always and, been my concern, Ben. Is that what's going to happen? Is certain areas like Florida, certain areas that are controlled by Republicans are going to entirely focus on mitigation of the symptoms of the climate crisis and not address the source root causes of the climate crisis. So in Florida, you're going to see things like seawalls, lots of investment in seawalls and hurricane proof construction and things like that, rather than well, let's address why this is happening in the first place. That's not that's the left wing stuff that he's talking about. But that's where I mean, obviously, having safety measures in place is important, but only in the process of attacking the root cause of the climate crisis. And that's where the Republicans get it wrong. And that's why they'll entirely get it wrong going into the future, especially if Ron DeSantis and uh, and similar people are in control. Right. That's like bailing the water out of the boat. And looking at the hole saying, don't talk about the hole. If you right. talk about the hole, you're, right. you're a libtard. Mm -hmm. But keep bailing the water out. Right, right. And I mean, it's this, I, this notion that we have to take this seriously, that Ron DeSantis is supposedly a serious person, right? Yeah. And that, you know, there are two sides of this debate. There are two sides of the argument, you know. There's the Republican position and there's the Democrat position. No, 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 there's one position. There's one position. Right, which is the science, which is the climate, which is climate change science, and then you've got a a, a batshit insane sort of proto-fascist um, white nationalist movement on the right uh, that is completely detached from reality, and and we now are supposed to pretend that this is you can this is normal, right? That this is all just part of the political discourse that we have to both sides are just as bad and we have to talk to each other and no. No, I'm not talking to this guy. This guy's an idiot, right? Well, the, press, the press won't stop treating him like he's a normal politician and that he's a very serious politician. They will, they will not ever treat him like a psychopath. He's constantly normalized, no matter what he does. The press is in love with DeSantis. I think, I think they've decided that if Trump were to die from a heart attack tomorrow because, you know, he's old and he's really out of shape and he eats really badly... I think they're hoping that DeSantis will be the one to run and possibly win in 2024. So they won't they won't treat him like a lunatic. They keep treating him like he's serious, even though he clearly is not a serious person. Yeah, and that's kind of scary. It's kind of scary because mm -hmm. Ron DeSantis, I, you know, he he's not stupid, right? I mean, he's crazy, but he's not stupid. Um, so so uh, you know, I want to make this clear that yeah again i don't think a lot of these republicans are stupid i think maybe ron DeSantis maybe knows better but what scares me about him is that he he he's actually effective mm -hmm. right? he's quite an effective leader as in not i'm not saying a good leader but effective so he's like a version of trump you know he, he's uh, that, that, like a competent version of trump almost 
right? Yeah. You know, if he got into power, it would I th- I would be genuinely scared. I would be genuinely worried if this guy gets anywhere close to the White House. Yeah, he well, would the one be thing to uh, kind of mitigate anyone's fear about Ron DeSantis, we have to recall that he barely won in Florida. I mean, that obviously things have changed since then. He's been governing. He's been in that executive power since then. But when it came to actually running, Ron DeSantis didn't perform all that well. And it was neck and neck. I mean, it was down to, I don't know how many thousands of votes separated him. And uh, who was he who was he running against? Jamie Harrison, was it? I forget who it is, uh, who he was running against in Florida, but he barely, barely won that election. So I'm relatively confident that Ron DeSantis might not survive a primary campaign in uh, 23 and 24. Yeah, uh, hopefully. Crossed. I mean, yeah, I mean, it is Florida, so you can't take anything for granted in Florida, really, can you? It's yeah. like, you know. Um, but, um, okay, Justin, who have you got this week? What's your who's your pick for both sides are just the same? All right, um, I've got a combo. It was um, the gun Christmas cards that um, the Republicans are putting out again this year. Uh, they do this every year, but this year happens to be really super tacky and egregious um, because of the shooting in Michigan which just happened last week. Um, mm-hmm. But Thomas Massey, Representative Thomas Massey from Kentucky, the shooting, the shooting occurred on Tuesday, and that Saturday he put out the card of him and his family all holding you know, their guns be- with their big old smile and their creepy gun cult you know, picture with Santa, please bring ammo. Um, and they didn't have to. He didn't have to do that. He could have waited another two weeks. He could have waited until, you know, three days before Christmas to put that card out. It's not like he's actually sending it in the mail to people. But he had to put it out, you know, just a three, four days after the shooting because he had to show his fealty to the gun lobby and to gun culture. And then a few days after that, Lauren Boebert, because, you know, of course she had to get in on the action, she put out her own version of the card. With her kids, and they all, you know, they're all super excited to show how much they love their guns. And the press was like, oh, tut tut. This is just, oh, my goodness. But the Republicans, no, Republicans weren't demanded that they apologize for it. And I remember several years ago when Alan Grayson was running around Florida still. And he he was he was a bit of a clown and he did things to annoy Republicans. And the press used to just have a heart attack about this, you know, because Democrats weren't supposed to be that way. They were supposed to be the serious people. And Democrats were constantly being asked about him and how they, you know, they had to, like Democrats always had to answer for Alan Grayson. But now Republicans are a thousand times worse. Like Boebert is a thousand times worse than Alan Grayson on his worst day. No one ever has to answer for her. No one ever asked to answer to Massey. They hardly ever ask other Republicans about these people because it's just normal. Now they can just do this and the press just eats it up for clicks. Democrats hmm. don't get that. Yeah. They don't get that kind of uh, treatment. If a Democrat does that, they're scraped over the rocks. But, you know, that's, the, you know, it's just it's not both sides. Even our craziest people aren't even a fraction of as, as insane. And we get treated differently when we have someone out there doing something objectionable 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I guess the, maybe the theme of this whole podcast today is is, is going to be both sides because my I wrote a piece this week as, as well about um, the way that Hillary, you know, what if Hillary Clinton had uh, uh, Trump's Russia connections, um, you know, in the way that she would be would be treated by the press and by the Republican Party. Um, but it, yeah, word. I mean, it's a real issue. I mean, it's kind of why, like, I, I do kind of miss guys like Al Franken because Al Franken didn't give a shit. You know, yeah, like that that guy, like he's got some, you know, he's he he's got his issues. He's not perfect. I think, um, you know, perhaps he was caught. Uh, he he was maybe the 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 punishment didn't quite fit the crime. Um, we you know we were in the midst of the Me Too movement, and I think that you know he he um, what he did was not right. I think it was wrong, but you know perhaps you know I don't think he needed to to to, to resign. I don't think he needed to be uh, to to. To, to leave the Democratic Party. And, uh, you know, he was a good senator. And I think that he was, but he also was a fighter. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I never never forget the days when, the, the day when Al Franken just bullied Bill O'Reilly on um, on, on stage. One of, the, <laughs> one of the best videos I've ever seen is just watching Al Franken just absolutely annihilate Bill O'Reilly. Uh, at some book signing event, it was just brilliant. It was. He used just, to do I, this whole thing about Bill O'Reilly being splotchy. <laughs> it was in one of his yes. books. It was all over one of his books. Bill O'Reilly so splotchy. <laughs> just the word splotchy, I think, appears in. I want to. Th- I want to say it was the book uh, Truth with Jokes, or maybe the one right before it. <laughs> it was just he was relentless. But here's just I want to add to the uh, the lack of comparison between someone like. Uh, Al Franken and some of the Republican rodeo clowns, uh, especially on the House side, is when Al, when Al Franken was elected, he didn't take that comedian approach to the Senate. What Al Franken did was he hunkered down and got down to the serious work of being United States Senate. And that was a very important aspect of his development. And you don't see that on the Republican side. No, no, n- n- not at all, not at all. You know, and I, and I, but I, you know, and I, I just think that you know, had we had, I do think we need more kind of Al Franken's out there, just, just really fighting back, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. in, 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 an, in an effective way, and try and and go out and bully the bullies, you know, like this is this is where we're at right now. Um, I mean, um, Bob, so your, your, mm. your, uh, both sides are just as bad. Um, this week mm-hmm. is basically your piece, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this again speaks directly to the recklessness and irresponsibility of the Republican Party. Basically, the Republican Party is now, and I'm talking about the entire Republican apparatus, including Fox News and OAN and the Red Hat Entertainment Complex, and of course the, of course the party itself, where they uh, have made this the central thrust of their entire you know, ideological movement. And I'm talking about just simply being a reckless asshole. That's the, that's the drive of the Republican party. It's not about, Hey, let's reduce the size of government or even to the point of saying, uh, Oh, we need to legalize abortion. All of that stuff is kind of passe for the Republicans. Now it's just how big an asshole can we possibly be today? And that applies directly to how they've behaved about the pandemic, of course. And the latest thing with Omicron is, oh boy, 
this Omicron variant, this is the perfect variant for us because now we can go out, get Omicron and have natural immunity. So we don't have to get the vaccine. And, and this is being broadcast on Fox News Channel and every place else, right? This is the whole idea now. Because of Omicron, they're saying, go out, get the, get the virus, and you're going to be protected. In fact, Greg Gutfeld, I, I quoted him in uh, my piece today in the banter, uh, he was on Fox News saying, this is actually good news, the Omicron variant. Mm. It's nature's vaccine. You're giving everybody antibodies. You might get mildly sick. You probably won't get sick, he said. Nature is providing the solution to its own problem. This is why we champion natural immunity. I, I, I don't know how they can get away with that. G- given, the, given the status of you know, liability being a professional uh, a broadcast network or cable cast network, that is remarkably irresponsible from just a legal liability point of view. But going down into the health aspects of this, first of all, you can't go outside without a mask and without a vaccine, go to some crowded shopping mall or movie theater or nightclub or whatever, and pick and choose which variant you get. You can't go into a crowded space. I would like a dozen dozen, uh, Omicrons, please, and hold (laughs) it out. That's right. Yes, you can't. It's not like you don't walk into, uh, you know, a store and, oh, okay, here's I'm in the Omicron aisle now. I'll get one of these. That's not how it works. You go out, you get the virus, and it's a roll of the dice. And, in fact, the most prominent variant is still the Delta variant. So it's most likely that if you go out and expose yourself, if you're an anti-vaxxer and you want to go get natural immunity, you're probably exposing yourself to Delta, which could kill you. It's we, not do as, know, look, we do know Republicans love to expose themselves. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, by the way, I was tweeting that. It's, you know, I tweeted that at Greg Gutfeld. Yeah, go out and expose yourself. And then I had, oh, quick, delete. <laughs> that was an unfortunate use of uh, language there. I shouldn't have type that but you know in the heat of the moment that's the reaction like well, what are you what are you saying this is madness on top of that they're acting as if natural immunity lasts forever and it's not like natural immunity for chicken pox or something like that once you get it you're protected for life it's not that's not the, how it works in fact the studies are showing that natural immunity could last anywhere from a week to maybe 90 days And, you know, that's in the best case scenario, the 90 days in 36 percent, according to a a recent study, 36 percent of people who've been infected with covid don't have any antibodies at all, don't have any natural immunity at all. So they're basically unprotected entirely, not even with the natural immunity. So this is a, a gigantic roll of the dice. I can't believe more Fox News people aren't holding those hosts accountable for saying things like that, and for that matter, Joe Rogan and some of the other usual suspects who are preaching this natural immunity, as uh, Greg Gutfeld said, championing natural immunity. It's uh, it's madness, and, and this, uh, fitting in with the nature of the segment, <laughs> doesn't happen on the Democratic side, you know, obviously. And perpetually, we have always relied on science and facts and reality and doing the right thing for our society, doing the right thing as a collective and the republicans are all about nah fuck all of that just be an asshole <laughs> just go out and be an asshole indulge yourselves right. and, and uh, and that's why we're 
in such What's bad shape. Sorry, so, yeah, sorry, but I just like does does I you know does Greg Gutfeld have a background in epidemiology? I no, just, uh, Greg Gutfeld has a he has a background in being a dick. That's what his background yeah. is. <laughs> I, I've known Greg Gutfeld going back to like 2005 in the Huffington Post, uh, where he did you know basically his same shtick, but in in print form at the Huffington Post, and he's always been a colossal a hole. And now you know it's interesting. He's got maybe one of the top-rated shows on all of cable television now on Fox News Channel, his Gutfeld late-night show. And that's doing really, really well in the ratings. And I keep saying, hey, look, guys, we needed to pay a little more attention to what Greg Gutfeld is doing because he's very, very popular. And uh, it's funny, every time I write about Greg Gutfeld, and maybe this doesn't bode too well for my latest piece in the banter, but uh, people are still scratching their heads over who Greg Gutfeld even is. And so, uh, you know, I think maybe we're on the leading edge of he's the Greg stealth, Gutfeld he's a stealth thing. asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So we got to pay a little bit more attention to Greg Gutfeld. And don't worry about it. He's already popular. He's already famous. You're not going to make him more famous by talking about him on your Facebook page or on Twitter. It's, <laughs> that's not the way it works. I mean, um, just one, one quick thing about um, the, the Omicron. And this is something that I've been telling debbie about for like the last week or so when they started saying that it you know it's spreading and it doesn't make you as sick and as soon as i heard that i was like fuck me because what it, it occurred to me immediately that mm. if omicron spreads and it starts out competing delta or even half competing with delta and it doesn't make you as sick it occurred to me instantly that people are going to be like Oh, good. I don't have to worry about getting it, so I don't have to wear a mask, and yep. I don't have to worry about spreading it. Not necessarily so through dumb. Republicans, mm -hmm. just people in general. It's like, oh, if I get it, it's just like a little cold, and it doesn't matter if I get it and spread it. And it's like, but yeah, but it's still COVID, which yeah. means the more people that get it and the more people that spread it, the more chances it has to mutate and right. get worse again. So don't do that. But that's exactly what the Republicans are telling people to do now, which so is exactly the worst case scenario. So yeah, yeah. the sheer brilliance of it all. It's a, the uh, pandemic is not retail. You cannot choose which version of the pandemic you get. It just doesn't work that way. And that's one of the main problems with this going back to the very, very beginning is it's so complex. We make it more complex, obviously, based on the the glut of information on the internet and our access to that. We make it even more complicated through that. But the reason that there are mandates, mask mandates, vaccine mandates, and so on, lockdowns in the early days of all of this, is because the way you avoid all of the complexities and all of the people coming up with their own ideas for how to tackle the virus, how to get immunity in some way, the, you avoid all of that by all of us doing the same thing, right? All of us collectively getting together and fighting the virus, trying to work our way down to the lowest possible transmission rate. Uh, that's the point of all of this. We're all, if we're all doing the same thing, then there are no outliers. And it's the outliers that are screwing it up for everybody. The outliers who think, hey, you know what? I'm the expert. I'm going to make up my own rules. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get the Omicron variant, even though that's impossible 
I mean, you can get the Omicron variant, but you can't choose whether you get the Omicron variant. You're overthinking it. You're not able to digest the glut of information on the Internet. So just stop it. Just stop it. Listen to the experts. Do what you have to do. Do what the rest of us are doing. Look, it's really weird for me as a Gen Xer to sit here and say, conform. But that's what <laughs> Gen Xers don't like saying conform. That's just one of our things. But in this case, the only way we get through this, the only way we survive this, the only way we can all escape this is if we conform to the rules to the protocol and stop making up our own goddamn thing. And that's sadly one of the many things that has been uh, lost because of the politicization, politicization of this uh, pandemic. Yeah, you know, and, it, and this is why I have such an issue with people like Joe Rogan and mm -hmm. all the pro scientists out there. It's like, you know, look, I don't mind Joe Rogan, generally speaking, yeah. but it's like, dude, you're not a doctor. You're not an epidemiologist. You're not mm -hmm. a virologist. You don't even know enough to, to talk to a, an epidemiologist or a yeah. biologist, yeah. or you're not remotely equipped. You're not a journalist. You're not a journalist. You're certainly not a doctor, right? But this guy is like the go-to source of information for, you know, millions of bros out there, right? Who, who who don't think they need to listen to doctors because, you know, they heard something on the Joe Rogan podcast. And, you know, I, I go after Joe Rogan quite quite a lot at the moment because I think he's incredibly dangerous for public health. Yeah, yeah. From a public health perspective, because he's lending his own voice to the, to, to, to the you know, to this pandemic when he his opinion does not matter. Like, I just, I can't, I wish people would understand this, that Joe, what Joe Rogan thinks about the about the pandemic is irrelevant it's unimportant he is a no he is an absolute no one it matters as much as mine right as in my opinion on the on the on this means nothing it means absolutely nothing mm -hmm. and he also gives a platform to kooks yeah 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 does. right it, it, exactly you know and and again this is it, it, you know it, it distorts the debate and again people think there's two sides and oh well joe rogan said this and the doctor said that so two sides you know the like, you know, we have to take both sides seriously. It's like, no, you don't. You really don't. You really, really don't. You can just ignore Joe Rogan and anything he says, right? It means nothing. Um, but look, so I was just talking about some of the pieces that we've written this week. Um, so I, my, my piece this week uh, was one on, on Hillary Clinton and about whether what would happen um, had... You know, because we're fine. There was there was a debate that happened between um, David from the Atlantic and Andrew Sullivan, right? Andrew Sullivan has been one of these. Both sides are just the same um, uh, grifter crew on the on Substack, the independent, um, you know, like Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald, who are out there Bleh. basically saying that we don't need to um, pay attention to any of the insane things the right are doing. It's all the fault of liberal Democrats. Right, so all of the problems that we're facing right now in the country, this is all the result of liberal hysteria. And one of the things that they keep talking about is Russiagate, right? So there's now a, a, a concerted effort to convince the public that there was there really was nothing to see with Russiagate, that it was a conspiracy theory, that mm -hmm. liberals got hysterical over it, and um, uh, you know um, have basically created a lot of hate and distrust with Trump Trump supporters and that, that the MAGA supporters would have been fine had 
liberals just accepted the 2016 election result and not pushed a deranged conspiracy theory that that uh, P- Trump was a Russian plant, right? So my so my, my take on it is this: I have, uh, first of all, I think there is there there is a kernel of truth, right? That there was there was hysteria um, uh, on on the left in regards to Russia. Some of it, some of the commentary did go too far. I, I, I certainly think that like everybody's a Russian spy, right? There's everyone's accused of being a Russian spy. Um, and I think that, that sounds like something a Russian spy would say. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, you know, so I think that that was, you know, liberals it's definitely, they have a tendency to shoot themselves in the foot quite a lot by um, overreacting to things. Um, but that being said, you know, David Frum wrote a brilliant piece for the Atlantic where he highlighted all the evidence, um, about the Trump campaign's connections with Russia, uh, the Trump's pro-Russian stance, all of Trump's foreign policy um, positions happened to mirror that of Vladimir Putin's. Uh, they were up to their eyeballs in in, um, in in connections with Russian intelligence officers. Trump had financial interests in Moscow. Um, you know, so right, there may not have been enough evidence to prove a criminal conspiracy, right? But that doesn't mean that his campaign didn't collude with the Russian government in order to over, to to, to um, interfere with the US, with the election in two thousand sixteen, right? So, so I think that that, that needs to be made very, very clear. Um, and it's clearly, I would say, you know, something is not right. Okay, why does Trump have all these policy positions that mirror that of Vladimir Putin's? Is he anti-NATO stuff, stuff about the Ukraine? Trump is an idiot. Trump doesn't know anything about foreign policy. He has no idea. He made up a country, Nambia, right? How, how does this guy? How does this guy have you know reasonably nuanced positions on on the Ukraine, right? On um, on NATO, okay, like. Mm-hmm. This is this is extreme to me. This is extremely troubling, extremely concerning, right? And there may not have been any hard evidence, right, that he he is a Russian plant, but I think that you know it's there's something awry, right? There's something very, very, very shady about this guy and his mm-hmm. ties with Russia. And I think anybody who doesn't see that is ignorant, is willfully ignorant. Or, yeah. or a nut job maggot person, right? Mm-hmm. And David Trump laid this out in a very, very persuasive article. And Andrew Sullivan was just said, "Oh no, there's nothing there, right? Liberal hysteria, and you know, you can understand why Trump supporters are so pissed off that after the 2016 election, uh, liberals basically the Democrats said, you know, this is this is an illegitimate president, um, uh, who you know, and we're not going to pay him any respect, and he's also a a, a, a traitor." Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, bullshit, right? Imagine ha- yeah, that's Hillary bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> if Hillary Clinton had had that, even even a tenth of what of what Trump uh, of Trump's ties to Russia or to a foreign um, power, right? Uh, and had done any anything, any of the people in her campaign had been caught doing the kind of nonsense that Trump's people were caught doing. Some of whom who ended up in prison. Um, Clinton would have been in in prison for treason. It's not even a question. Uh, mm-hmm. Not for nothing. These are people who believe, I mean, really, really believe that Bill and Hillary Clinton had a whole bunch of people killed. Yeah. They don't need evidence for that. They know it's true because they want it to be true. Therefore, it is true. So 
when they say, well, yo, you, you had all this stuff and you don't have any evidence. It's like, don't talk to me about evidence. <laughs> you guys believe batshit crazy stuff without a shred of evidence. Don't talk to me. I don't want to hear it. Right. And they did, uh, you know, and they were calling, people were calling Trump um, aides, Trump um, supporters, big prominent um, members of his campaign were calling for uh, Clinton's death, right? They were calling for her to be executed over her role in Benghazi. Okay. Exactly. Mm. But, but we're not allowed to talk about, about Russiagate, right? You know, Rachel Maddow is a conspiracy theorist because she, because she's asking serious questions um, and trying to get people to think about, you know, uh, the, these incredibly complex web of connections that Trump and his people have with Russia, right? And Vladimir Putin. It's you know she's been smeared again by by uh, by the by the sort of both sides crew and the Matt Tybees and the Glenn Greenwalds, but they all have a vested interest in none of this stuff being true, right? So they can get back to promoting their kind of bullet points that you know both sides are just as, uh, are just as bad, and actually basically it's woke identity politics that are the real problem in America. Blah 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 blah. Right? You know, say what you will about identity politics. I have my issues with that, but yeah. this is not the most important problem in America. Well, the other thing I want to add into all of this, too, is that the uh, Republican-led Senate Intelligence Committee, and this obviously this uh, the Republican-led part changed after the uh, previous election. However, the Republic, the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee was run by uh, Richard Burr, a Republican, for many, many years throughout the Trump administration, and they extensively, exhaustively looked at the Russia situation, and they concluded that Russia absolutely did interfere in our election to help Donald Trump. This is a this is a hardcore fact devised by the Republican majority in the Senate Intelligence Committee. There is no two ways about it. It actually happened. And I don't care how often Andrew Sullivan and some of the other guys try to downplay it and say it was all a big hoax. And it's all nonsense. It's all a bullshit noise, because the fact of the matter is that it's proven that Russia has done this, and they continue to do it. And so this is not even a, a point of uh, debate, as far as I'm concerned, as to uh, whether or not it actually happened. Uh, it, it did. It really did. This is a, a real thing. Rachel Maddow was right about this stuff. I mean, to the extent that the Trump campaign was colluding, well, all you got to do is look at the evidence that uh, Paul Manafort was obviously communicating through Konstantin Kalimnik to get to Oleg Deripaska to get to Vladimir Putin. This was something that was an ongoing and proven process. Um, so I, I love this revisionism now, though, that it was all a big hoax. I think a lot of that has to be attributed to Bill Barr, Bill Barr too. Bill Barr and his uh, memo that he released before the Mueller report came out. That was uh, pretty much, you know, the gigantic nail in the coffin of the uh, Trump-Russia story. It's, you, it's you, sad, though. Do you remember that moment? It was very weird, right, when, when Barr put out the Barr put that memo out and Matt Tybee and Glenn Greenwald were all on Twitter and as soon as he put the memo out, they said, see, there's nothing to see here. It's all bullshit. Yeah. Two right? guys oh, with yeah, obvious no, they, connections they to Russia. Like, yeah. They were pigs wallowing in shit over that. They thought mm -hmm. it was the greatest thing ever. I remember that. Yeah. Like, what? Wait. What? Because yeah. William Trump's personal lawyer, basically, has said that there's nothing there. He And, and you can, you know, and I was 
remember saying this. I remember I tweeted something out. I said that if William Barr is saying there's nothing there, it means the opposite, right? So what what he's saying, like we haven't, the report hasn't come out yet. So you can you can be almost a hundred percent certain that what he's saying, the the opposite of what he's saying, is what's actually the, what's actually happening. Yeah, and that's exactly what you know. The the Mueller report showed extensive. Um, evidence of uh, Russian interference in the election, right? And you know, extensive they, obstruction of justice to cover it up. I mean, that's the main thing that we have to look at, too. In addition to the election interference, we also have to look to the fact that uh, there were, I don't know, a dozen instances of obstruction of justice, including one that may not even be included. I have to go back and look at the Mueller report. But we learned this past week that Donald Trump obstructed justice Um well, I mean, obviously on, on many occasions, but the most recent one we've heard about is that he confessed to firing Jim Comey as the investigation was ramping up. He yeah, you know, seriously. And at the time, he when just Comey, admitted it in an yeah, interview. At, right. And at the time, uh, they made it seem as if Donald Trump and the White House made it seem as if, oh, this was a DOJ decision. This came down from Jeff Sessions and Rod Rosenstein. This was the whole point of it. They were, oh, well, we didn't like the way he was performing, so we're getting rid of him. And that D Donald Trump was removed from that process or not even part of that process. But then we learned this past week that he absolutely was. He, he said that I fired Jim Comey. This is why I fired Jim Comey. And so he just, he confessed all of it. It was like a Lester Holt moment all over again. But so you can't, there's, there's nothing that. Happened. Nothing yeah. happens, right? The, but, you know, because it's Trump, he's, mm -hmm. it's fine. You know, oh yeah, well, what, you know, what's new? You know, they've got, do you know what I mean? It's like, he can, he can break as many laws as he wants. He can, you know, incite a, incite a, a riot, try to have a coup against, against in his own country. Um, nothing. Doesn't yeah. pay a price for it. That's mm -hmm. it. Yep. And, 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 and the reason why is because the second he was arrested, the second he's arrested, there's going to be riots in the street and Republicans are going to be the ones leading it, screaming political persecution, political persecution. And it's yeah. like there's little I mean, when the video of him raping a little girl comes out from the freaking um, uh, Maxwell trial, people are going to be like, well, you know, he's a rich and powerful man. And Bill Clinton did something, too. So you really can't hold him accountable. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's exactly what's going to happen. They will not hold him accountable anything because they're afraid of the riots that'll come afterwards, which is ridiculous. It's like you can't run a country that way. Yeah, you just can't. Right. It's it it is it is it is ridiculous, you know. And and I try to highlight this in my in my piece. I feel it's like it's quite difficult to make this. I don't know how many ways you can make this point, right? How many ways do you make this this same concept that both sides are not the same right and there are two separate sort of standards right that but that that each side has to kind of live up to and you know you know barack obama not one single scandal in his entire eight years nothing zero zero well he did wear a tan suit he wore a tan suit once hmm. right and, and and then we're led to believe that you know well it was obama's fault that trump got into power and no, wait a second what Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Hillary. It's all Hillary Clinton's fault that she lost lost the election. Uh, okay, I think maybe the people who voted for Trump, I think they might be to blame, right? And it's like, well, you know, you called them racist. It's like, yeah, he. They. I'm not. I'm not saying all of Trump supporters are racist, right? But they vote for a racist, so they're fine with racism, 
right? Which is which is almost as bad as being an overt racist. I would say it's like, you know, you know the guy is a vicious racist, yet you voted for him anyway. And he ran on racism. It wasn't like he was running on anything else. Yes, his entire campaign was based on 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 uh, questioning Obama's nationality, right? Or, mm. or because he's because he has got a funny sounding name and he doesn't look white, then he can't be American, right? It's the entire basis of Trump's campaign. But um, anyway, well, let's let's move on. Justin, your piece this week, which is which was great. Uh, you wrote a piece about um, the left racism problem. Yeah, I come at this from. So you just came at this from the right. I came at this from the left. Mm. which was funny because we did not coordinate our articles. Um, <laughs> I had no idea you were writing yours. Uh, so uh, basically, it's it's kind of the same idea. We were still I'm still talking about uh, Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald and Michael Tracy and Jimmy Dorn, all of them. Um, and I, it, 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 I realized, you know, several years ago that there was something really, really, really wrong with the far left. Um, and I, and I didn't understand what was happening when I started being called a Republican shill and a right winger. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? Cause I was, I didn't support Bernie. Um, and at first I just thought it was some kind of Bernie bro thing. And, and it, as time went on, it realized that's not what it was at all. Um, and I had read an article last week, I think it was from Perry Bacon Jr., in the Washington Post, and he was talking about um, something that the Democratic Party does called white appeasement, in which the party has to do things that are really not nice, mostly to black voters, in order to keep their white voters. And um, that the time for this sort of nonsense is coming to an end. And uh, the trick for the Democratic Party is to how much can they abandon that without losing um, centrist and conservative Democrats, white Democratic voters. But for me, that really struck a chord for the really far, far left white male voters, because that's mostly who the far, far left is. It's almost all white and it's almost all male. Because uh, when you get all the way over there, all you find is a lot of really white, angry men. Um, and I've been saying for quite some time that a lot of the people who screamed the loudest about how progressive they are really are not progressive at all. Their whole thing is that they're really angry that the left is filled with women and Latinos and uh, black voters and LGBTQ and the left deals with that like you know they respond to that they're the democratic party a lot of what they do has to do with those kind of voters and those kind of politics identity politics mm -hmm. and there is a real conversation about how far to go with that you know i know colleges can get a little overboard um but that's not the conversation that the very very far left is having they're having a very completely different conversation about how we should not be doing those kind of politics at all in any way whatsoever. Essentially that black voters and women voters, they should all go to the back of the bus and sit down because the only thing that matters is what they want, what these angry white male voters want. Um, and if the Democratic Party 
will not do what they want, then the Democratic Party has to be burned to the ground. Uh, and these are the people who say, you know, Joe Biden's the worst president ever. Meanwhile, he cut child poverty in half. He's doing all of these different things that, you know, ostensibly progressive people want. But then it's still not enough. And the Democratic Party needs to be burned to the ground when the alternative is a party who will do none of the things that a progressive party really would want and do the exact opposite. But the Republican Party will cater to white men, and that seems to be enough for them. And, you know, if you pay attention to these people, they will scream that they'll never compromise with those goddamn libtards. Never. On anything. Even stuff that they want, right? They'll never work with a libtard because you can't trust a libtard. But they always seem to have room to work with white nationalists and Nazis, They'll literally talk about how it's okay to work with a white nationalist or a Nazi because, you know, yeah, you know, they've got that racism thing going on, but they also want Medicare for all. And that's really important, which is I mean, a really... Glenn Greenwald, right? I mean, this is, this is now Glenn, Glenn Greenwald, uh, you know, who, who has basically... He's now a Fox Newsman. You know, he's on Tucker Carlson Weekly. Right, he's on. He's on. He's on Laura Ingram all the time. Right, which is insane. Right, and 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 pretending that they're just you know they're just the other side of the debate, you know, and 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 they're legitimate journalists and they're legitimate. No, these are like racists, right? Both Laura Ingram and Tucker Carlson are racists, right? They have an extensive track record of racism, of of overt white nationalism. Like it's not even they don't even bother to hide it, right? Uh, um, you, you know, and I think, but it's weird that I don't, I don't, yeah, I get it. It's an, it's a very interesting article. I recommend if you, if you haven't read it, everybody, I, I would definitely go into it. Justin, you've done a very in-depth piece here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah uh, this is, this is not to say that progressives are racist. I mean, you know, the left in general, there's going to be racist there. When you have white people, you're going to have racist. That's doesn't matter if left or right. That's just America. But these people really aren't progressives. And we had someone in our comment section who did not get that. And I didn't get into it with them because I just figured they would just get really mad at me. The people I'm talking about are people who are either lying to themselves about who they are or they're just not willing to take that plunge yet. And it's just a matter of time until they put on their red hat and then absolutely swear that they used to be a progressive, but then we pushed them and forced them to you know, join the Republican Party because of all our identity politics and how we victimize them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Pretty much exactly what the MAGAs do and exactly what you were talking about. Like we forced them to be the way they are. You know, if only we hadn't been so mean to them, we, you know, they wouldn't embrace white nationalism and fascism, which is ridiculous because if you're a progressive, there, you cannot in under any circumstances embrace fascism it doesn't make any sense it goes against everything you're supposed to believe in unless your core belief is i'm a white guy i should be in charge then it's real easy to go over to the other side no matter what your other beliefs are mm -hmm. and that's right. what that's what you see and I, and I think a lot of this polarization it, it what, what it's doing is it it's kind of uncovering a lot of um 
subconscious biases and 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 yeah racism like you're like you're saying you know when i when i when i see people who've gone over to the far right or to the far left because they're so pissed off at the corporate dems and the identity politics and whatnot what i what i'm really seeing is i'm seeing kind of some underlying issues you know i'm seeing some kind of you're always kind of a bit racist or you're always kind of a bit sexist and you know look again i've talked about this a, a fair amount on the banter though i don't i have my issues with identity politics it's like i i do like i think that the movement needs to have healthy criticism um it needs to be challenged on certain assumptions uh and i try to do that in in a kind of um sane uh in a sane way and and a kind of a balanced way but look you know it's just like be an adult okay yes i think it is a problem i do think it's a problem but i also think that we have bigger fish to fry you know and this is where i kind of I side with it's like a lot of the former neocons and the kind of the the never Trump conservatives, who who are also weirdly um, we've talked about this before. It's like okay, we can have a conversation now because they s- seem to be grown up about this. You know, I can't believe that I'm like retweeting William Crystal and people like that. Right, you may not agree with their politics, but at least they don't support fascism. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, and that's it, really. It's like, do you support fascism? If you do support fascism, then we can't speak, right? If you're, you know what I mean, then then there's no conversation to be had. It you're not an adult, you know. And and I I see this as being kind of the real issue here. You can have your problems with the Democratic Party. I do. The Democratic Party is irritating and annoying, and you know, mildly corrupt and uh, you know, ineffective. They can't get their messaging straight. They're, you know, they don't fight back enough and blah, 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 blah. Yes, 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 yes. Right. But they're also not white nationalists. Mm-hmm. So I'll take that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Guys, anyway, listen, I think we'll, we'll leave it there for today. Uh, fun times. On the yeah. <laughs> uh, that was way better than the show we recorded before, cheery by the note. Way. Yeah. yeah, the one we did. Yeah, Justin, just want to say that the one we recorded before was so much better than this one. Yeah. Um, but because of because of your, because <laughs> you uh, anyway, everybody follow us on Twitter at the Daily Banter. Um, follow Bob at um at Bob Seska. Um, no, Bob, you do it. I think. Ah, Bob Seska underscore go on Twitter. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, that one. <laughs> <laughs> and Justin Rosario. It's Justin D Rosario, right? It's at Justin. Yep. Justin uh yes and please you can also get a you can read all of our members only content um uh, if you get a band membership you can now get a three-month free trial so you can get it all for free 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 so please um sign up try us out get um all premium content uh and uh, access to kind of member chat threads and things like that and support what we do it's independent um we don't take money from big corporations uh, we don't promote nonsense like there are both sides, uh, both sides equivalency here on the banter. So uh, we'd love you if you would support us. And thank you all. And we will see you next week. Yay. Yeah. Bye.